0: Every day I'm stuck. Every single day I'm stuck on Harry Wordsbach, where two lanes go down to one, waiting for the light. And while I'm spending several minutes there stuck, there are people who have more important things to do than wait on that, and they zip around me and pull in front of me in line. And while I'm stuck, I consider my options. Perhaps I should edge my car out to sort of block them from coming that way. Or, or perhaps I should honk at them as they go by. Or maybe I should join them in pulling out. Or maybe I just need to find an alternate route. But every day I get stuck and I consider my options. Every day other people get stuck. They get stuck at work. They get stuck with coworkers who are not reliable and bosses who don't understand or don't care. And they too consider their options. Should they protest or should they just affect in place and do a minimum amount of work necessary to keep their job or should they quit go elsewhere others of people get stuck in relationships with friends and family loved ones that are not fulfilling they're not appreciated they're not supported in the way that they would like and they face options what should they do should they protest should they pout should they Just break off that relationship. They've got options. You see, we all get stuck in some area of our life from time to time. And we all have the options of deciding what to do. Complain about it. Try to actively avoid it. Quit the situation. We have a number of options before us. And then Paul to the Ephesians, to people who are stuck in a system that works against them, where to worship God, the one true God of the universe, kicks them out of the economic system of the day and puts real pressure on their life. These people are stuck, and Paul gives them an option they may not have considered. He said, submit to one another. To submit, as Gerald Sitzer says in Greek, is a combination of two words that means under order. It basically means give up your right to assert yourself. Give up your right to have life go your way, the way that you want it. And accept your place where you find yourself and live and work lovingly within that place. An option that they had not considered to submit is offered by Paul. Now we all find ourselves in situations where we get stuck. Now, if it's a situation where it's immoral, illegal, abusive, then I think we have to consider our options. But if it's just an imperfect situation, it's a situation that's less than ideal, then we need to listen seriously to what Paul says. For the interesting thing about submission and subjection is it would appear to work best under an ideal environment. When you've got a great boss, we'll do whatever the boss says when the boss wants it done. When traffic is flowing smoothly, well, stay in your lane and and go. When relationships are supportive, well, hang in there and support the other person as best you can. But Paul issues this commandment to people who find themselves in a less than ideal situation. And he suggests to them that their solution is to submit, to accept their place within it, and live lovingly within that situation as they find it. Now, I think he suggests that because the alternative to submission is control. The alternative to accepting your place and accepting your situation and trying to live within it is to try to control, fix, or arrange it. And generally, things don't respond very well to our control. Events have a way of being beyond our control. Even if we can foresee it, we can't do anything about it. It's building up in the Gulf. It's Category 2. It's moving toward 3. We can't do a thing to stop it. Or we watch the housing crisis, and we watch Freddie Mac. We watch Fannie Mae, and we can't stop it. Events have a way of being beyond our control. I was in line to a place the other day, and the woman in front of me in line was on the phone, and she was frantic. And she was telling a friend after the first 500-point drop of the Dow Jones, she said, I called my broker Uh, early this morning. My broker said, this is not the time, to do anything rash, hang in there. And she said, and so I went and saw my banker, and he said, well, it's not the time to do anything rash, hang in there. She said, I don't like what they said, so I've called my doctor to see if he'll give me something. (laughs) Situations like Wall Street have an amazing ability to beyond our manipulation and beyond our control like hurricanes. Events don't really respond to control. And if you think events don't respond to control, try people. Try people. Having or working with children, as wonderful as they are, teaches us that it's very hard to control another living, breathing, thinking human being. They don't always respond in the way that we plan or that we want. Randy Posh, in the last lecture that you may have read the book or seen it on YouTube or watched the ABC interview talked about his mother he was born in virginia and his mother wanted him to have a name with some standing and class and so she named him randolph but he didn't like randolph and he told her so through most of his life as he as he was growing up and he finally said to his mother don't i have the right to be called whatever i want to be called and she said to him no and for his life he was randolph And he went off to college, and she would send him care packages to Brown University to Randolph, and he would send them back saying, no such person at this address. And she kept calling him Randolph. People and events are beyond our control, and I think that's one of the reasons that Paul doesn't suggest trying to control things. Another thing I think that happens is while we're busy trying to plan, control, arrange, and fix life to suit us, we miss what God may be doing through the uncontrolled events of our life. You've probably heard the old cliche that life is what happens while we're making other plans. And I think that's true in a lot of ways, that God does things through the difficult events of our lives. And if we're out trying to plan to control or fix them, we miss what's happening. One of my favorite stories is about a man who was signed up to go to a men's conference on a Saturday. And at this men's conference, he was to learn how to be a better husband and father. And so he was excited about signing up, but the day of the conference came and his wife was deathly ill, and they had two little children that she could not get out of bed that day, and she said, I really need you not to go. You need to stay here and help me with the kids. And he said, I can't. I've got to get to this conference to learn how to be a better husband and father. Making his plans, missing the opportunities that were put in front of him. Paul knew that control rarely worked. Randy found this out himself. Finally, after years of his mother not yielding, he made this conclusion. He said, I decided to let my mother call me Randolph. And this is what he said. Finally, after all this time, I realized that surrendering was the right thing to do. Paul would agree. Oftentimes, surrendering, submitting is the right thing to do rather than to fight it or control it or fix it, to live with it and to see what God might be doing in it. John Eldridge gives me a wonderful biblical metaphor for what happens when we try to fix and control everything in our life. He says it's like building the Tower of Babel. Do you remember that in Genesis? When the nations got together and they decided they wanted to leave their mark on the world, they wanted to make their place in the world secure, so they started erecting this tower, this monument to themselves and to their own brilliance that would not only get them close to God, it would allow them really to be in the place of God. And in building the tower... They didn't get the security that they wanted and they missed God as well. Control, he said, always gives us everything but God. We miss God in that moment. And he has an alternative, he said, there was Adam and Eve before the fall who would just walk with God in the cool of the day. They couldn't make God show up, but they knew that God would show up and they would wait and they would walk and they would talk. You can't have both control and God. You just can't have them both. While you're fixing and arranging life, God is not there. God is your assistant at best. Well, God, this is the way I want it to go, and you could help if you would. But that's not life with God. Life with God is to walk with God and live with God in whatever is happening at the moment. And I know of uh, no way to get there to the submission that Paul talks about apart from one basic concept, which is this, trust. We're either going to trust ourselves to fix and organize and regulate our world or we're going to trust God to be present in it. Those are just the two options. And so I'm going to encourage you this morning, if you want to move toward making peace with life as you are experiencing it and finding where God is in that life, that we're going to need to do a couple things. Number one, we're going to need to trust God's sovereignty. That ultimately, even though bad things can and do happen to us, that the terrible things that we don't understand happen to, to children and to adults and to friends and to loved ones. That ultimately, in the eternal scheme of things, we cannot be separated from God. That ultimately God will have God's way of love worked out in our world. I think Jesus knew this. And that's why there's that story of Jesus in the boat. And they're on the He's there with the disciples. A great storm comes up. The disciples get frantic and Jesus is asleep. And you're thinking, well, yeah, he's God. Nothing can happen to him. But I don't think so. I think that Jesus, being fully God and fully human, just trusted that whatever happened, God would be in the middle of that. And so we turn a couple years later and we find him on a cross. And we find that they've done everything terrible to him that they can possibly do. And his response to all of that is to calmly say, Father, forgive them. He knew that ultimately, though, that was all terrible, and they meant it to be terrible, that God was going to be there working something from it. So we need to become acquainted with the power and goodness of God and begin to trust that. The second thing I think is also important, that is to trust that in our current less-than-ideal situations that God is working God's purposes out, that something is happening that's going to make a difference in our life. And I think the classic example of this is Joseph. Do you remember Joseph in the Old Testament? You know, one of, uh, of uh, 12 brothers, next to youngest one, his father's favorite. His other brothers get jealous, and so they leave him in a pit to die. And they decided now they'll make a profit off him, so they sell him to Egyptian uh, slave traders. And he ends up in Egypt. He ends up in somebody's household. He manages their household faithfully and dutifully. Then he's falsely accused of assault. He finds himself in prison. There in prison, he begins to run the prison and helps a man uh, see the future that God has for him. And he says, now when Pharaoh restores you to your position, please don't forget me. I'm rotting here in this prison. And the man, of course, forgets him. And for 13 years, Joseph's situation is far from ideal. But in those 13 years, look what's happening. Joseph is learning the Egyptian language. Joseph is learning the Egyptian culture. Joseph is learning how to use his God-given talent to manage and administrate. And he's run a large household and now he's run a large prison. And Pharaoh and the world are getting set up for a huge disaster that will call forth for somebody to have wise administrative Skills. And at the end of 13 years, it all comes together. Joseph is called upon by the Pharaoh at the start of a very difficult time. Joseph becomes second in command of Egypt, manages the seven years of good harvest in such a way that the Egyptians are fed, God's people, the patriarchs, are fed, and the world is fed. For 13 years, It's all going the wrong direction. And then when the time is right, there's Joseph with everything that God has worked out in his life, ready to do what God calls him to do. We trust that somehow in these less than ideal situations, that God's doing something in us that's going to make a difference for us and maybe for others as well. When I was in Israel last year, Ray would tell like a a parable each day that the rabbis told. And there was a parable about a rabbi who would go into town every day. And God told him one day, on your way into town, I want you to push on that huge boulder by the side of the road. So he said, well, okay, God, I'll, I'll do it. And he pushed, and nothing happened, but every day he would push. At the end of a year, he was walking into town one day, and the evil one said, Rabbi, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm pushing on this boulder because God told me to do it. And he said, well, look, that boulder hasn't moved an inch. Rabbi stood back and looked at it and said, you know, you're right. The next day he went another way into town, an alternate route. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and for two weeks he took this alternate route. And one day God stopped him and said, where are you going? He said, well, I'm going on into town. And God said, why aren't you going the way that I told you to do? And why aren't you pushing on that boulder? And the rabbi said, God, I've been doing this for a year, and that boulder has not moved one single inch. And God said to the rabbi, who said anything about moving the boulder? And God showed the rabbi all the things that he could now do and was doing with the strength he had developed by pushing on the rock every day. He now was helping a number of women bring water from a deep well to their homes. He was helping a number of men on building projects that were helpful in the town. He was moving from one place to another, offering his strength and assistance. None of which would have happened had he not pushed against the boulder. I don't know your boulder, but I know it's there a job, a relationship, an illness, another situation. But I think what Paul says is stay in it, don't go an alternate way, keep pushing. Because you never know what God is not only doing in you through the situation, but what God may yet do through you for others. All because you kept pushing.